may be seated. It's impossible for me to hear the reading from Isaiah without thinking about in my early life before my parents moved to South America. Our family had been in southern West Virginia for, well, since before the revolution. And there's a certain tradition there, just a kind of like a way of life that's deeply connected to the soil and uh, uh, singing, looking back, it was actually chants a lot of times. That's just so much of a part of that culture. And so much of the service uh, is filled with those kinds of uh, rhythms that the outsider like, where's the script? Uh, and the script is unwritten, but everybody seems to know it. And this, uh, what we call the trisagion, the, the, uh, the uh, the three times repeated holy, holy, holy that we find uh, as we look into heaven, both in this passage in Ezekiel as well, and also in the book of Revelation. I heard it often as a child uh, in church, uh, in our little country church. Somebody would s- sing it, was no particular time to do it, but someone would just start singing, I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord, He was high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple, He was high and lifted up, And his train filled the temple, and the angels cried, holy, the angels cried, holy, the angels cried, holy unto the Lord. Well, somebody would be singing, but it wouldn't be very long. Everyone would be joining in, and by the time the people were singing, the angels cried, holy, as a kid, you're like, well, they're here. Uh, the air is kind of like filled with electricity, and the people feel it. When you come out of the coal mines and uh, the river barges and so forth, and uh, there is that moment to where uh, you uh, are not just attending to service or saying your prayers. You are walking with saints angels and cherubim. So I'd like to just uh, chat with you. There must be a watch, a clock somewhere. You, need, you always need a clock. There it is. They, they, everybody's like, it's over there. <laughs> okay. Um, what we see in this passage of Isaiah, there's four things I'd like for you to see, and then the final thing uh, from the gospel reading. And the first one is, your, your first thing to know about service to God is holiness. Awe. Abraham Joshua Heschel said, Without awe, there is no worship. There is only performance. Awe. And, and it's a strange thing in our times to talk about awe. Another modern word uh, is uh, transcendence. Because, uh, uh, you know, Charles Taylor in his uh, great book, The Modern Age, 
just, uh, it's, I guess, the groundbreaking study of our times, really, on what's happening in uh, what he calls the North Atlantic uh, communities. And he says that we have dismissed the category of transcendence. And this is true even for Christians, he says. So what does all I mean? What does holiness mean? What does transcendence mean? These are all words that kind of subtly different but point to the same reality of an encounter of something beyond ourselves that we cannot explain, we cannot control, we cannot, we cannot grasp in words. It's beyond. He says we have dismissed it as a category. But of course Christianity doesn't survive with the dismissal of transcendence. Oh, it can be a moral system. That's why we have so much in Christianity now of scolding and trying to make people conform. But when you stop and say, well, why? No one knows except a long time ago, someone wrote a book and told us we need to follow the book. And, and, and this, is a, this is something that, that even Christians don't really buy. Without transcendence, without the risen Christ being among us, without the sense of the Holy Spirit, without something other than, because maybe another word for uh, holy is alien. Otherness. The second thing that Isaiah, you see, he, he's in a time where they're between rulers. The king has died, and so that's a scary time in cultures with a monarchy. We don't know what's coming next. He ran to the house of God and he encountered God. And God is really saying, I'm still here. Kings come and go. I'm still here. It's what John the Revelator saw in the book of Revelation when he says, oh no, I'm now a prisoner of the, of the Roman government and these churches that I'm bishop of, you know, in Ephesus and all these other places, I mean, what are they going to do? And the first thing God shows him was, of all the presence lights of each of the churches all around, and in the middle of them was not the bishop at all. It was the one who once was dead, and now he's alive and alive forevermore. And the Lord says, you know, I wouldn't worry about it if I were you. I got that covered. I am he who was, which is, and is to come. So the next thing that Isaiah sees as he's there, and he's like, he sees the otherness of God, the next thing he hears is that the whole earth is filled with God's glory. So it's not just transcendence that he's seeing, but it's what we call eminence. That God is not only out there, God is here too, around. And suddenly perception of hearing and seeing God everywhere one goes. And if you've ever had this experience with God, you know that you, you, you're, first there's the transcendent experience, but then you walk out of that and it's suddenly the world has changed. So now God is not only you have touched his high and holiness, but he's here in everything. You, you see him in a flower. You hear him, you hear him in, 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 in the rain. The, there's a breeze. Everything is God. Which is good, right? Well, but then he's like, oh no. If God is holy and he's everywhere, I'm... I, 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 I am not in good shape. This is what the Apostle Peter feels when he sees the Lord and he says, depart from me. Who, who says to Jesus, get away? Peter does. Depart from me and why does, what's the rest of that? Because I am 
a sinful man. And this is what we feel. I think that's why many times that Christians are, are fearful of the experienced presence of God. Because what comes next is the revelation of the sinfulness of humanity. We feel utterly unworthy and inadequate. And this is certainly true in ministry. Uh, you know, uh, you, you go through, if, if pastors and leader, church leaders, uh, if they're honest, they'll tell you, uh, if actually if they are uh, the kind of servants that we want in ministry, they will tell you that they feel utterly inadequate. So many times before I have been called to uh, preach or to lead a service, I have just gone somewhere and said, Lord, you know, thought, word, and deed, you know, things done, left undone and all that. I'm a mess. And so many times I've said, for the sake of your people, will you please give me word? And so many times I've received word, not only for the people, but for myself, because of course, I'm only representing the people and representing God in this place. So we have the holiness of God. We have the eminence of God. We have the brokenness of humanity. And then in all of that, God says, who's going to go and proclaim the word? And Isaiah says, well, if you will cleanse me and God has promised to cleanse him, I'll go. Send me. So here's the final word, and it comes from the gospel reading. When Jesus is talking about shepherds and sheep, the Jewish people can only go one place, and it's a place we all go. I am the good shepherd. They're thinking of, this, of Psalm 23. It is, this is, the, for me, the kind of the navel of the Old Testament. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The core of that psalm is he restores my soul. So when we think about that we are ministering in a world that has dismissed the transcendence, the whole category of transcendence, we have to ask ourselves then, what do we do? And the answer is, we have to remind human beings that we have a soul. We are not homo economicus. We are not homo politicus. We, are, we, we, we have a soul. We have something inside of us that wants to know I am significant in life. I may not be everything that I would like to be. I may not be significant to other people, but somehow I've got to feel like that I'm not just going to live my days and life one day after the other on this planet. And when the, la when the last day comes, then no one will ever remember I've been here and my whole life has been insignificant. And to that, we are called to remind people we have a soul. Because the soul is the part of, of human beings that is the receiver of transcendence. And also, paradoxically, the place of residence where God makes himself known as we grow more like him in saintly character. God shines through us. We reflect his uh, glory and, and, and his character. So let me just conclude with this. Nancy... Um, I had the wonderful um, 
privilege of uh, ordaining you to the diaconate in the middle of this pandemic and, uh, and all that, the oddness of all that. But uh, you've been serving the Lord a long time. And uh, you have served God. You know what serving God in, in another kind of culture is like. You have a lot of experiences. Uh, the Lord has used you uh, already. But I would like to encourage you that in this season of your life, as we now lay our hands on you, and you know what we're doing in laying our hands on you is we are affirming what God has already done. The church is trying to come in unity with the Lord. The Lord called you, and the church has says, yes, God has called you. And so in putting our hands on you, it's, it's, not, it's not just my hands. Behind my hands are the hands of 2,000 years of transmitted authority and blessing. All the people of God. And when we look back at some of the great characters, we think, I'll never rise to that occasion, but they didn't think they could either. And I want you to know that the one who has called you equips you and gives you the capacity to do what must be done. After long years of ministry now, I often get letters or someone calls and they'll say, you utterly changed my life when you said such and such or you did such and such. And I'm like, I didn't say that. And sometimes I'll go back in my notes. I'm like, I didn't say that. And so they're thoroughly convinced I did. And I, I believe that somewhere between what we say and what we do, the Lord is doing something else and people hear something else. I, 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 that's all the only thing I can figure because I have really preached some masterpieces that no one ever commended me on. <laughs> I really have. I mean, I, I knew it. I, when it, they delivered my mouth, I knew that, you know, I was going to be another Chrysostom. It was going to be, go down in the annuals of Christian history. But no one else, even, I'm like Job, even my wife wouldn't agree with me on that. But then there's been other times to where I'm like stumbled through and, uh, and made a mess of it. And then people are like, oh, oh, that just touched my heart. Oh, ah. and I'm like, what, what? So we are always, we stumble around doing our best to do our best. And in that, God takes these human elements and he does something to reveal his transcendence. To make himself eminently felt. To convince us of our sinfulness so that we will ask him for cleansing. And he sends us out and he charges us, be a good shepherd. I'll show you how. Walk with me. Amen. Would you stand please?